You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Outdoor Edge introduces the all-new Razor Guide Pack. Coming in at 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the Razor Guide Pack has it all. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast. I am your host, John Hudspeth, and I have to start this episode out with a little bit of an apology. I think I mentioned last week that my wife was going to be out of town. She works in youth ministry. They have a trip this week. She's gone for eight days. And so this last week, I have been working full-time, taking care of my one-year-old daughter, trying to keep the house in line and everything, and honestly, the podcast just kind of had to take a little bit of a backseat. So now, if you're listening to this, you've probably noticed that we do, in fact, have an episode this week, so didn't leave you guys completely high and dry, Uh, and I'll get into a little bit more of the explanation of what's going on this week here in a little bit, but I do want to tell you guys about an awesome weekend that I had this last weekend. So because my wife was gone, figured why not head out to the ranch? So loaded up the diaper bag, took my daughter out to the ranch. Uh, she just kind of stayed in the truck. It's so stinking hot. I keep complaining about that. Uh, but like I said, she just kind of stayed in the truck for the most time. I'd let her out, run around every now and again. Um, but I took some more protein feed, topped off the feeders and everything like that. And But where it kind of really started taking a, a fun turn is as I was driving out to the ranch, my uh, phone went off because my trail cam pictures come in at 9 o'clock a.m. every morning. And uh, so my phone buzzes, and I'm almost to the ranch, and I'm going through the photos, and wham, bam, balam, exactly one year to the day uh, from last year, I got my first picture of the 2% buck. So... No mistaking whatsoever that it's him. Um, he looks like he's going to be back to being a awesome deer. I, I mentioned several times last year that he had kind of taken a step backwards, I'm guessing, because of the drought we had last year. For whatever reason, he just he just wasn't up to his normal standards last year, even though he was still a great buck. Um, I just got one picture, and it was he was a little bit further away, and he was kind of facing the camera, so you didn't get a real good angle. 
But for July 14th, looking at what he already had on his head, I think he's going to be a super good deer. I don't know if it's going to be his best rack ever, but I think it's going to be close to it if it's not. And so, like I said, without a doubt, it was definitely him. No mistaking him. I've been watching this buck for five stinking years. I know him pretty darn well. Uh, Even when it's like a bad picture and fuzzy, I can usually still tell if it's him or not. Uh, But as always, he stayed camera shy. Um, He didn't come up to the feeder or anything like that. He was out in my soybean plot with a couple other deer. Um, have not got another p- picture of him since, but that's okay. At least I know he's there. Um, not sure if that's a good thing or not, because I-, I told a couple of my buddies, I was like, hey, he's alive. May just be setting myself up for yet another year of disappointment on this deer, because he just doesn't live on us. Like, that's the, you know, I get these pictures. It's super tempting. Um, he just, he's hardly ever there in daylight. Um, you know, I have maybe five daylight pictures of him in five years. Um, I did have my one encounter with him last year. Stinking water bottle cracked and spooked him. And so I haven't yet decided just how much I want to dedicate to him. The reason I call him a two per, the 2% buck is because I give myself only a 2% chance, chance of killing him every year. And, and for good reason for all the things I just listed. And so... Part of me wants to, you know, dedicate at least one of my buck tags to that buck and that buck only. Um, I've never really done that in the past. Like, it's always kind of in the back of my mind. You know, I I passed a really good deer with my rifle last year because I knew he was still out there. Um, But I I just don't know. Like, I I hate to get myself all worked up for a deer that I just honestly don't know if I can kill because I just don't think he is on our property. You can't kill something that's not there, so... So I don't know, we'll we'll work on that, but uh, you know, like I've said, that's kind of a big reason I went ahead and planted these, uh, these food plots and everything, got some protein out there, just doing everything possible to get deer on our property and keep them there. So very, very excited that he's there. Um, but yeah, I I don't know what that means yet. So, so that was awesome. Um, like I said, went ahead and topped off the feeders as I was driving around, uh, my, my three food plots. Uh, they, they have been overgrown. So I, I sprayed the same day that I planted them, but I never went back and sprayed again. And they've been doing pretty good. They've been kind of out competing, but with all the rain and sunshine we've had the last couple weeks, all the other grass and weeds and stuff have caught up with it, uh, or with the beans. And so, um, I wasn't sure, you know, my plan was to like change some straps on some, uh, some stands and do little small stuff like that. But, uh, I, I was like, man, these really need to be sprayed. So, I didn't know if I could get a tractor. I didn't know if the sprayer was working or I, I'd seen it uh, as I drove by and I noticed it had some chemical in there. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to call and check on it. So call my brother. I was like, hey, what are the chances I can get a, a tractor and maybe the sprayer? And uh, he's like, man, like, I don't care if you use it all, but I got about 150 gallons of glyphosate or uh, Roundup in the sprayer. And I was like, well, wouldn't you know it? That is exactly what I need. So I had some Roundup ready soybeans. And so I, I, I keep, I think I said this on my uh, Instagram story. It's, it's literally almost scaring me how well all my preseason prep is going this year. Things have just, like, they just keep working out like that. Like, uh, I got stuff, you know, the switchgrass and stuff plowed, which the switchgrass ended up not growing. I told you guys that. Um, I got all these plots planted. I ended up having extra seeds, so I planted a third plot because the drill was just, like, set perfectly. And uh, and now I, you know, had all this stuff ready to spray. Um, so ran over and uh, hooked the sprayer up to my pickup, pulled it over. 
hooked up to a tractor and like I said it was completely ready to go and so I went back there sprayed the first two plots in the back and I was kind of I started basically at the one furthest away from the house I was working my way forward the only little hitch that I had was uh, after I sprayed my sprayed my second plot while I was heading to the third one I passed by a gate that I, that I had actually clipped uh, I think with the with the plow uh, earlier this spring kind of bent the gate a little bit and I was like, you know what, I have this tractor, I have a little time, I'm going to try to use the forks and, and straighten the gate out a little bit. So I turn around, for some unknown reason, still not uh, don't know why, my brother couldn't figure out why either, the tractor just died. Um, it was some kind of fuel problem, I don't know, if when I turned I did kind of like drop off this little ledge and I didn't have a ton of diesel, so maybe it just sucked some air up in there, but... I was trying to like bleed the lines and everything. My brother came out and was helping me. We were unscrewing the filters and filling them and all that. We never got it started, and so I did not get my my third plot sprayed. But luckily, it was right there by the third plot, and everything was hooked up. And so my brother went back, uh, you know, later that week and got the tractor running. He went ahead and helped me out and sprayed that third plot for me. So so I did not get all three done. I got two of them done, but my brother got the last one done. So all three of my plots have now been sprayed again. Um, and so they should just like, I mean, from here on out, they should just be golden. Um, I've yet to see the man, like they are getting hammered in a good way. Like they're in a good way getting hammered by the deer. So I'm not sure yet if they're going to make it into the fall uh, but, you know, worst case is I just plant right over them with a fall mix and still be good to go. So, so yeah, very excited about that. That was awesome. Didn't get any of the small stuff done, like the straps and everything. But, hey, I, I can do that later. I still got, you know, over two months till till deer season's here. So, not too worried about that. So, overall, fantastic quick little trip up there. Um, as I've mentioned, I've been, I've been having to work a lot. Work's been crazy. My daughter, for some reason has not wanted to go to sleep till like midnight every night. And so I haven't been getting a ton of sleep and that's going to bring us into this week's podcast and kind of my explanation here. So, uh, like I said, I, I just, I've had zero time. I wasn't able to get a guest. I wasn't able to think of anything I do myself and I'm so scatterbrained. I don't think I could produce a good content anyway. So what I've decided to do this week, and I hope you guys are okay with it, I went back into the archives and I pulled out, I believe it was episode two, the second episode that I ever did. Uh, I actually recorded this three years ago because I recorded it before I even actually started putting out episodes. And uh, so this is an interview with Oklahoma's fur biologist, uh, Jared Davis. And I'll be honest, I'm not sure if he's still there or not. Like I said, I recorded this three years ago. Um, but this is an episode we did about mountain lions in Oklahoma. And so I, I loved doing this episode. I still remember it. Um, we talked about like basically whether there are mountain lions here or not. Uh, we talked about you know sightings, what to do if you have a sighting, what those sightings usually turn out to be. Um, is it plausible that Oklahoma has a you know actual population of mountain lions? Um, again, like I, I haven't even listened to this since it came out, but I, I just remember uh, all this stuff because I enjoyed it so much. And so, so yeah, I hope you guys can can forgive me, but I'm still putting out an episode. Um, I will warn you again. I recorded this three years ago. My equipment has come a long way. The audio quality kind of sucks. <laughs> it sounds like I'm talking into a coffee can, uh, but you know what? It's it's still very uh, audible, whatever you want to say. You can still listen to it, and, and it's not too awful bad. So, so that's what we have going. I'm uh, repeating an old episode. 
there's thousands of you guys that uh, you know came and started listening to the episode or listening to my podcast after I dropped this episode. So, so welcome to all the newcomers. Uh, if you are an older listener and you've heard this before, my apologies. Um, I'm going to do better next week, I promise. And uh, so, yes, that's what we have this week. Thank you guys for uh, for just supporting this podcast as always. Thank you guys for listening. Um, if you have any ideas or things you want to hear about, please let me know. And that is all I have for y'all this week. So we'll get into the podcast about mountain lions with Jared Davis right after this. There is truly no place like the great outdoors in Oklahoma. When you're out in the wild, you want your wireless devices to work. Unlike other carriers... Bravado Wireless believes that coverage in rural areas is important so that you stay connected. With competitively priced plans and coverage where you need it, the mission of Bravado Wireless is to keep you connected no matter where you are. Visit bravadowireless.com or check them out at one of their retail locations. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. Hey everybody and welcome to the podcast. Today I'm talking to Jared Davis. How are you doing today, Jared? Doing fine. How about yourself, sir? I'm doing great. You gave me a great excuse to come in out of the heat and sit in the AC for a while, so I have absolutely <laughs> no complaints right now. So, sure. uh, Well, Jared, why don't you, before we get started, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself and what do you do? Okay. Um, well, like I said, my name is Jared Davis. I am a wildlife biologist with the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation. I've been with the department for 12, 13 years. 12 going on 13 years. I, uh, currently my job is as, uh, the fur bearer biologist. And one of my job duties that I do with that is, uh, I deal with uh, mountain lion reports and do site investigations to confirm mountain lion sightings in the state. Um, that's like I said, that's one of, one of my job duties along with, um, dealing with trapping regulations and, and fur harvest, um, tracking, monitoring populations of fur bearers in the state. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, we may get into a little bit of uh, some other stuff, but mostly what we want to talk about today is the good old Oklahoma mountain lion. And uh, <laughs> I'm pretty excited for this uh, for a lot of reasons. One, I just love learning about it. But two, uh, you know, so many people that I talk to uh, you know, hey, we got a mountain lion in the back here, or if you go over to this draw, we got a mountain lion over there, or, you know, just all over the place. And uh, and I'm really just excited to, to present some facts, and, you know, I'm not calling anybody a liar or anything, obviously. Um, but uh, you guys put out a video on Facebook uh, a couple months ago uh, talking about mountain lion sightings, and I believe it was you in the video, correct? That was me, yes. Yep. And uh, you presented a lot of facts that were honestly pretty mind-blowing to me. Um, and so that's what we want to get into today. Um, but if you wouldn't mind, real quick, uh, could you give us just a little bit of a, a history of mountain lions in Oklahoma? Sure. I mean, you know, before, prior to European, you know, settlement, basically, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, mountain lions were, were common in Oklahoma, or the Oklahoma ter- Territory, and uh, across the plains. Um but, you know, as it started getting settled and developed, um, mountain lions were extirpated from this area in, in the 19th century. We don't know exactly when or exact time, but, um, you know, we, we know that they weren't common in the area sometime in the mid-19th century. You know, they were hunted 
because they were perceived to be a threat both mm-hmm. to the settlers and to, you know, their livelihood being the cattle and the, you know, personal safety as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also began to leave the area because deer were being harvested for food, uh, which is their main food source. So their main food source is gone. They're being threatened. So, yeah, they're going to either they're going to stay and be hunted or they're going to leave this area and go to areas that have, you know, abundant food sources and, and less pressure from humans. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were scattered reports that started back in the 1950s. Um, but we as a department didn't start tracking and confirming those reports until, you know, the early 2000s. And mm-hmm. since then, you know, we've had a, a pretty consistent protocol and procedure in place to report and confirm, um, you know, these mountain lions. So, I mean, yeah, we've, we've always, we know that we had them in the past, and we know that we have had them passing through the state, but um, as far as resident populations in Oklahoma, you know, we haven't found any evidence of that, mm. um, you know, since since the 1950s or or maybe even earlier than that. So no no breeding going on, no mountain lions staying around or calling this home. Right. Yeah. We you know they have they have pretty large home territories that mm. they that they range and and. We know that there's probably some overlap that comes into Oklahoma, but as far as those core territories where you have reproductively active females with cubs, you know, we've had no scientific evidence of of having that in Oklahoma yet. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, and uh, so if you had to guess, or you may have exact numbers, how many reported sightings do you guys average per year? Um. I, I don't really have a yearly average, but I know that any given month, like I went through my emails and the, our reporting system now is you go to our website, you fill out a report and it sends an email directly to me. Um, gotcha. So any given month I have upwards of 30 reports. So hmm. I guess a conservative estimate is probably 300 reports a year. Hmm. And wow. those are the ones that, those are the ones that just make it to me. You know, either through online submission form or phone calls that are forwarded through our game wardens and field biologists. Um, You know, that doesn't include the the Facebook posts and Mm -hmm. not our Facebook posts, but, you know, private Facebook posts or, you know, the the local rumor mill. You know, those don't make it to us. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't we don't get to we don't get to take a look at those. Right, right. So so walk us through that real quick. So let's say an email goes all the way through, gets to you. Um, maybe they have a picture or a picture of a track. You know, you think it's fairly credible. Uh, what is your process then for going out and checking on that? Sure, yeah. Um, so like you said, you know, people send in a report to me. Sometimes it's just, you know, hey, I saw something. I don't have any evidence. But what well, I believe it was a mountain lion. Um, I'm not in the business of telling people what they see. I'm just in the business of telling people the facts and then they can decide on their own. So, you know, in reports like that, where there's no hard evidence or physical evidence of, of a mountain lion being in the area, what we do is we kind of take that information. Um, we put it into just a little database, like a little spreadsheet, and we have a date and a location track on that. And if we get multiple reports in the same area, you know, we may try and go out and see if we can find something, you know, look a little closer for tracks or hair, or, uh, maybe a, a kill cache location where they've where they've um, 
predated on deer and, and cache those carcasses. Um, but you know, short of having, short of having any physical evidence, that's what we would do. Uh, if somebody sends me a picture of a track or, um, a, a trail cam picture or a, a camera phone picture or something like that. Uh, we look at the credibility of the picture. Um, first, you know, if it's a track, we, I try to identify, is that a mountain lion track? Is that a dog track? Um, you know, we need to get some size on that because mm-hmm. we know, we know, you know, average size of a mountain lion track, average size of a, of a bobcat track. You know, those are the really the only two in Oklahoma that you're going to get mm-hmm. confused with. And size is really an issue um, with, with the the canine tracks versus feline tracks, those are usually pretty easy to to determine because the presence of claw prints in the canine track, um, and also the the heel pad, you know, is going to have two lobes on the bottom as opposed to the excuse me the trilobe mm. on the cat pad. So I mean, there's some things that we look at as far as that um, on the tracks, and then if we get a picture of an animal. You know, of course, we need to look and, and try and verify if it's a mountain lion or if it's a uh, something else. You know, it mm-hmm. could be a, a yellow lab, a, a house cat, a bobcat. Mm-hmm. But if, you know, if we do believe that there uh, there's a good possibility that that is a mountain lion, we contact the person that sent it in, uh, try and get access to the location that the picture was taken and verify that that picture was taken in Oklahoma. You know, there's mm. a lot of, mm. there's a lot of pictures floating around there and right. people will try and pass them off as, you know, I took this picture or this picture was a, from a friend of a friend of a friend. Mm. Um, so, you know, Google image search is an amazing thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you can find pictures, uh, that people post and, right. and then try and try and take off the internet and pass off as their own mountain lion sighting, which I don't, right. I don't understand why. why anybody yeah. Do I, uh, <laughs> I've, I've definitely seen, uh, you know, there's probably like three super popular trail cam photos that I see pop up every couple of years. And, and usually it's always in a different location or a different person. And so, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure that's a common, common occurrence. Yeah, there's that one where the, the mountain lion's dragging the deer in front yep. of the deer feeder. And it's, oh, yeah. man, that thing's been dragging that poor deer for, for <laughs> years. It hadn't stopped to get to eat the thing or anything. <laughs> right. All right. So, uh, so you know, average, let's say, 300 a year. And of those, how many do y'all, or can you actually confirm? So, any given year, um, I think the most we've confirmed is five. Mm-hmm. Um and then some years we have zero. I think 2016, we didn't have any confirmed mountain lion mm-hmm. um, sightings. Mm-hmm. So there's always some in the works, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure five is the most that we've ever done in, in one year. Yeah. And to for it to be considered confirmed, do you have to actually see the cat? Or, I mean, if you can tell without a doubt that it's a mountain lion track, does, can that count as a confirmed case? Yeah, there is. There's actually been a case um, since I've been in this position. I think it was back in 20, uh, 2017 in McIntosh County. Uh, we were able to um, identify through hair samples, tree scratch, and tracks. Um, the, all three of those basically indicated there was a mountain lion near the Canadian River mm. in McIntosh County. So, yeah, we don't have to have a picture, you know, if we have a good track that gives us good information on location. You know, we can we can find all kinds of all kinds of stuff. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Okay, so let's uh, let's move on from that. So let's say you get the call, you go out, uh, you confirm it. 
um, what is the best, I guess, explanation for that cat being wherever it is? Is it, you know, a young male looking to breed? Is it just a young cat that might have been displaced? What's usually y'all's best guess on why that cat is there? Uh, we believe that, like, the most probable reason for a mountain lion to be in Oklahoma and is probably a younger cat looking to establish uh, a home territory. And we've been fortunate enough to collect DNA from a handful of mountain lions that we've, that we've either gotten through. Um, I think, well, there was a, a train accident where a, a cat got hit by a train, cat mm. got hit by a car. Um, we've had one that was illegally hunted in Oklahoma. Um, and then one that was, uh, killed, uh, when it was trying to eat some sheep in, in the panhandle panhandle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've, we've, we've been fortunate enough to be able to collect data to get some information off those. And you know, we were able to send that DNA to a laboratory for genetic analysis. So the, of those cats, they were, they were linked to three established populations, uh, one in Nebraska, one in South Dakota, and one in Colorado. Hmm. So, I mean, they're coming a long ways. I mean, right. these, the areas, especially in South Dakota and Nebraska, these are heavily, these are heavily populated and, and dense for, you know, animals that have 40, 50, up to 100 and 125 square mile range. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're packed in there pretty tight for having that, that type of, of territory. Mm-hmm. So those, those dominant males are, are pushing these, these female or these younger males out mm-hmm. and they're going to look for, for greener pastures. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we kind of think that they're just transient males or transient juveniles coming into or adolescence um, coming into Oklahoma um, looking, looking for an area to set up shop. Um, But, you know, the main, one of the things that you look for in establishing a territory is, you know, females coming in because the males Mm -hmm. aren't going to stick around until there's a female that comes in to, to set up that home range. So until we have those females come in and set up those home ranges, I think the males are going to continue to move, through Oklahoma in search of an area where there's already a territory that overlaps with the females territory. Gotcha. Gotcha. So the ladies got to lead the way, huh? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Okay. Uh, I got kind of two questions that I'm going to kind of put in one. Um, and you covered it a little bit, but like, is there a part of the state where you're more likely to encounter one than another? And kind of along with that, like, Habitat-wise, is there one habitat that they seem to like over the other? You know, Oklahoma's very diverse from east to west. And me personally, when I think of, like, you know, a mountain lion, I would think maybe in the mountains, you know, more eastern Oklahoma. Um, But it sounds like, and and I guess it kind of makes sense if you think of where the populations are, but it sounds like more of the cats are coming from the west. Um, So is there a part of the state where where you might have more encounters than the other? Um. So if you would look at a, at a map of what counties have had confirmed sightings in them, it, it pretty much ranges in every region of the state as far as if you divided it up into, you know, four, northeast, northwest, southeast, southwest. Mm-hmm. It's pretty pretty fairly distributed as far as where those confirmed sightings have come from. Um, but then when you look at the number of confirmed sightings in each county, you know, there's there's more activity in the far northwest reaches of Oklahoma, where you're closer to Texas and Colorado and New Mexico, where they where they do have all of the established populations of mountain lions. Hmm. So yeah, they're coming they're coming north to south, um, and and kind of we've we were able to track. I say we were able to track um, through confirmations. I think there was one year 
where we had multiple 2015, we had multiple photographs, um, from Logan County, Pottawatomie County. Uh, and we were actually able to link that up with Kansas who had been tracking the same cat mm. coming Southeast through Kansas. And it went Southeast through Oklahoma. Mm. You know, once it got past Tecumseh mod area, we, we don't know where it went. We, we weren't able to, we didn't have any more confirmations. Mm. So, you know, the, so you would kind of think, I mean, that's where we kind of have seen it up in that panhandle area where there's more, there's more confirmations. There's more sightings up there. Uh, as far as the habitat, basically areas with good cover. And, you know, that's a very, very broad statement. You know, that could be mm -hmm. dense vegetation in tall grass prairies or forests or swamps or even rocky bluffs with rocky, rocky bluffs, geez, <laughs> with rapid elevation change. Yeah. Um, and any of those areas that have sparse human population is going to be preferred as well. Because, mm. you know, I mean, they don't look at us and see prey. They look at us and see a competitor. Right. Um, so, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to want to put up with that competition if they don't have to. Right. Lucky for them, there's quite a bit of that sparse population in this state. So, yeah. You have the right to the best wireless service. Bravado Wireless provides the best mobile wireless, high speed internet, latest devices, and customer service at prices you feel good about. Bravado Wireless strives to put these values first and offer you the best wireless service available. See what they have to offer at bravadowireless.com or one of their retail locations in eastern Oklahoma. Let Bravado Wireless connect you to your family, friends, and business partners all over the world. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. So as far as like factors that could make us have maybe potentially more lions. Um, you know, you mentioned cover, obviously, but what about like, you know, our, our deer herd is growing. Uh, Oklahoma is a big ranching state. You got cattle, you got sheep, uh, goats. Um, it, does that type of thing sound like it could make more for more lion sightings? I, so out of the 20 ish years that we've been keeping, um, as good of, as good a records as we can, um, we've never had a confirmed case of mountain lion predation on cattle. Mm. Um, there's been one case where there was one found eating a cow, but we don't know just based off that was, that was a wildlife services. Um, that was a wildlife services mm. issue that gotcha. with it, when it starts dealing with livestock, you start mm -hmm. talking about wildlife services. Um, so I don't think that the cattle are going to have any impact on mountain lion prevalence. Mm -hmm. um, there has been a confirmed case of mountain lion predation on a goat herd in the panhandle. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, that, but I think that's just more of the fact that we're going to see more of them up in that area because they're mm -hmm. coming down from that area. Gotcha. Uh, and our deer herd has been you know, pretty healthy mm -hmm. over the last decade, decade and a half. You know, we've, we've got really good deer herd in Oklahoma. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's going to be any more of a draw to them now mm. as it, or in the, you know, in the next decade as it, as it has been in the last decade. Right. But I mean, that is one thing, you know, that is one thing that we do have now that we didn't have, you know, 50, 60 years ago is, mm -hmm. you know, a good deer herd. So it may just be time for, you know, the, the prey, the, the selected prey of choice is back in the state. So now they're going to come back in the state and we may just be catching on to it as it, as it happens. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Um, this one might go along with that a little bit, or I don't know, it could be totally uh, random, but uh, 
uh, as we see an increase in the black bear population, uh, specifically in eastern Oklahoma, is there any correlation from that that could carry over to cats? You know, and I think I heard that they've now seen black bears as far west as Oklahoma City, or maybe west of Oklahoma City. Um, so yeah, is there any correlation between bears and cats? Uh, I don't. I don't think that there's any direct correlation between black bears and, and mountain lions. You know, in states where they have both of those, they actually kind of come into conflict with each other, mm. um, as opposed to you know working in tandem with each other. But we have had quite a few success stories in Oklahoma regarding the reintegration, reintegration of historic species. You know, we've got the, mm-hmm. the deer herd. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen the river otter return to the majority of their historical range mm-hmm. uh, since the mid-1980s. Uh, black bear are another species that have begun to naturally reintegrate back into their historic ranges. Um, it's more likely that there's a correlation between conservation efforts and the natural reintegration of species on their own accord, I think, than there would be between any other species moving back in, maybe aside from from the white-tailed deer. Uh, that There may be a delayed correlation with mountain lions coming back into that, but as far as the black bear, I don't I don't think there's going to be any 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 correlations other than the fact that conservation efforts are allowing them to come back in. Mm. So there may that may be the I think that's probably the only only point in which they are they're able to kind of be examined at the same level. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's funny you say uh, otter um, after the big uh, the floods of 2015, which I'm sure everybody's familiar with. Uh, we had a, some property along the Red River that the river got out of its banks and flooded into one of our ponds. And uh, that, uh, oh, I guess, I don't know, October, November, uh, my sister and I were duck hunting on that pond. And all of a sudden my sister starts nudging me and she's like, John, John, an otter. And I'm like, there's no otters here. And I turned my head, and sure enough, there were two otters in that pond that I assume came out of the river during all the flooding. But uh, yeah, oh, that was very cool to see. Um, it, it is very neat. You know, we've had we've had reports of otter all, all the way over in Custer County mm-hmm. uh, in western Oklahoma. Um, the only place we haven't had any are up in the Panhandle, which mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's not their historic range right. anyway because there's no water up there. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot of water up there. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. And then actually, uh, just kind of on the same topic, I actually saw a quail uh, yesterday, uh, which is something we haven't seen around here. Again, I'm in southeastern Oklahoma for you and Mm -hmm. the listeners. And so um, seeing that was really cool. Um, Yeah, that's I'm in I'm in uh, central Oklahoma. I live just northeast of of uh, Oklahoma City, a little little town. and actually where that bear was confirmed was about four miles from my house. So mm. it's just, just to the east of Oklahoma city. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's cool. Um, so with the way things are going with the habitat, um, with cats kind of coming in and out, uh, would you expect to see an established population anytime soon? Uh, you know, a female, a female establishing a home range would be the first step in in beginning that process of having an established breeding population. And you, know, like we, like we talked about earlier, we don't have any any scientific evidence of a reproductively active female or cubs. Um, you know, any of the carcasses that we've that we've been able to get our hands on, none of if I think one or two of those were female, um, and neither of them had shown signs of of being reproductively active. Mm. Um, so until we get that, you know, we're not even going to be able to begin that process. Mm. And when that happens, I mean, that, that guess is as good as anybody's. It could happen tomorrow, next year, or a decade from now. Mm. 
I, I'm sure it's going to happen. I just, I, like I said, I just, there's no, there's no way to put a timetable on Right, that. right. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, and then one of my last questions. So I've, again, like I've had people talk to me about mountain lions and, you know, claim they saw one. And uh, usually they're saying it, you know, pretty excited. They think it's cool. They think it's awesome that they saw it. Um, what is the general population's feelings on mountain lions? Like, do they like them? Do they think it's cool? Are they scared of them for, you know, their safety or their livestock safety? Just what is the general feeling about these lions? Yes. Yes. <laughs> the, answer, the answer to that would be yes. Uh-huh. Uh, public opinion, just like on anything, you know, public opinion on mountain lions run the gambit. Mm-hmm. Um, what I can do is, is kind of give some facts, uh, you know, Different lists show different numbers, but in North America, there's been less than 150 attacks in the last hundred years, mm-hmm. and that's the, that's North America, that's Canada, and the United States. Mm-hmm. I think are where these numbers are pulled from. Mm-hmm. Um, less than 30 of those attacks have actually been fatal. Mm-hmm. So, as far as the threat posed to humans by mountain lions, it's it's very very low. Right. Um, like I said earlier, they look at us. We're not in their prey profile. They don't look at humans and go, mm, dinner. Mm-hmm. They look at us and go, hmm, competitor. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you know, me saying that if somebody's afraid of them, they're going to be afraid of them. That's not going to, you know, that's not going to sway them one way or the other. But, but they, in areas where mountain lions are more prevalent and there are more people in those areas, you know, attacks are, are still incredibly rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in California and Colorado where they have much much higher densities of human population and yeah. and much higher densities of, of mountain lion populations um so i mean having having that fear you know having a, a healthy healthy dose of, of fear of an apex predator is not a bad thing right um but you know being able to enjoy it for what it is uh, you know an apex predator in a very healthy vibrant ecosystem that that we have in Oklahoma I mean I think is is, is probably the route that we should we should take with that mm-hmm. gotcha yeah my uh, my brother and I were on a lease last year that had bears on it and that was actually the main reason we wanted to be on the lease and uh, we both went up one weekend and kind of set up our bait barrels and stands and all that and then we had it worked out to where I would go one weekend to refresh the bait and he'd go the next weekend and uh, the first weekend it was my weekend and I remember getting out of the truck and thinking like, I am headed into a spot where we are trying to attract <laughs> bears and it got very real. And sure enough, you know, I, I uh, get on the trail and I hadn't walked 15 feet and I look down and I see a fresh bear track on the trail. So now it's like, not only am I going to where we're trying to attract him, but I know that something has been there. And yeah. so... Um, and when I talked to my brother about doing this podcast, we were talking about, you know, lions and what happens if we saw one. And he asked me if I checked my trail camera and, you know, got a picture of a mountain lion on it, would I still hunt that stand? And boy, I had to really think about it. You know, I, I, I feel like I kind of got over it with the bears, but I think a cat just brings a whole nother level of fear for some reason. Yeah. I think 2014, when I, when I first started this position, um, after transferring over from, from the law enforcement division, uh, I started the job October one and October 24th, I get a phone call and this guy is, you know, he's adamant. I've got a mountain line. I got a mountain line. We had a, the older reporting system then. So, you know, I, I had, a, I gave him my information and he, mm-hmm. 
sent me the picture. I was like, sure enough, man, that's a mountain lion. <laughs> and uh, he's like, man, I just got it on my camera this morning. You need to come out. And when I'm saying this morning, he called me at 7:45. I think he took the picture <laughs> at like five something that, or the, the trail camera got the picture at five something that morning. <laughs> so we go out there and, and just kind of like you were talking about with being in an area that, you know, you know, that there has been an animal there recently that is much bigger than you and much stronger than mm-hmm. you. <laughs> mm-hmm. It kind of puts you in place as far as, you know, I know it's, I know there's a very, very low chance that I'm going to get attacked by this animal, but just knowing mm-hmm. that it was knowing there. That there's I'm, a chance. I'm, yeah. I'm walking in the exact same spot up to this game camera. This mountain lion was walking, you know, five hours ago. Right. Yeah, it does. It makes the hair on your neck stand up mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gives you, like I said, a healthy a healthy dose of, of fear is not is nothing to be yeah <laughs> nothing to be sad about. Right, right, right. Uh, well, that just about covers most of my questions. Uh, real quick before I let you go, uh, could you walk us through the steps if someone was to have a sighting? Uh, can you walk us through the steps of what they should do to get into contact with you? Of course, yeah. So our um, our website, the Department of Wildlife, uh, Oklahoma Department of Wildlife, is wildlifedepartment.com. Um, when you go to that website, it is going to give you the option to um, report a sighting. Let's see. You totally caught me off guard on this one. Uh, uh, my bad. <laughs> no, I, told you, I told you I was going to get you somehow. You're gonna, yeah, you told me you are going to throw me, for, throw me one. Uh-huh. Um, so you go to wildlifedepartment.com. Go to the hunting section. Uh, when you click on hunting, there's a what to hunt, and then it goes to fur bears and trapping. At the top of the fur bear and trapping page, there's a there's a mountain lion information click. Once you go there, uh, there is a reporting page at the very top. It says report sighting, and that takes you directly to our report sighting um, form, which goes directly to my email. Um, so. And you can always just search mountain lion report or mountain lion mm-hmm. sighting uh, on the search bar whenever you log into wildlifedepartment.com. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, um, I, I believe I Googled uh, Oklahoma mountain lions, and that Facebook video was one of the first things to pop up. So if people want to watch that, uh, I highly encourage it. I think what y'all did with the scale, you had a, a scale of a house cat, a bobcat, and a mountain lion. And yep. seeing that scale really put things in perspective of kind of what to expect. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun doing that video. And I hope that, I hope that a lot of people found it educational and, you know, people listening to this, if you haven't seen it, go, go look at that because it really does, it really does kind of surprise you as to, you know, there's a little bit of, a little bit of difference between what you're seeing and what's actually there sometimes when scale and, and angles are played with, um, but yeah, once we put that mountain lion silhouette up there, it was, it was pretty telling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, well, Jared, I've really enjoyed this. You were very, very informative and very helpful. Um, I'd encourage people to get in contact with you if they think they saw something. And again, go watch that video because it, it might stop you from contacting Jared and save him a little trouble. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, this has been great. Um, uh, any, any closing thoughts or any, uh, any questions or information I might've forgotten? Oh, you know, there's always, there's always something that we forget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yep. I'm, I'm sure we'll think of something in about five minutes. Of course. Oh, man, we should have put that in there. Uh-huh. But, uh, um, no, you know, just 
the main thing that I, that I want to talk to or tell people is, you know, go outdoors, have fun outside and, and just enjoy yourselves. Be safe. Awesome. Awesome. All right. And with that, we're going to close this out. Thanks again for coming and uh, yeah, get outside everybody. There we go, folks. Another great episode. I love that one so much. I ended up going back and, and listening to a bunch of it uh, while I was doing some other editing stuff. And so just a really, really good conversation. I think, I, yeah, I can't remember if I talked about it in the episode or not, but I've just talked to so many people over the years that are just so confident that there's like currently a mountain lion living on their property at all times and, uh, and not calling anybody a liar again, but just when you look at the numbers, I'm just not sure that's completely accurate. So anyway, fun topic, fun conversation. Thank you guys for listening to me. Uh, please keep me in your prayers if you don't mind, as uh, I still have a few more days here uh, solo before my wife gets back. Yeah, that's all I got for you guys this week. So thank you again for listening to the show. I appreciate all the support. And until next week, I will see you all right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast.